welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 128. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons. And as always, I'm joined by the man who has many rules for life, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Mike. You're right. Those rules for life, they seem to be growing every single week. Every episode, we get new advice, tips, guidance from our moonshotters, you know, those superstars, entrepreneurs. And I don't know, my my journal, my mantras, my list of things I need to stick by each week, <laughs> it seems to be growing. I know what you mean. And boy, get ready for them to grow because we have a heavyweight to decode to, and to learn from today. Who is it, Mark? Today, we're beginning a new two-part series based on the work of Jordan Peterson and his book from uh, actually not too distant future, Mike, it was only in 2018, The 12 Rules for Life, and Antidote to Chaos. Holy smoke. What are we even doing, Mark? It's taken us 128 shows to get to Jordan Peterson, who is a huge in the philosophical, the search for meaning uh, space. He is a powerhouse. And whenever he travels around the world, he sells out like huge. He came to Australia and uh, I, a friend of mine went and um, it, he sold out the Sydney Opera House. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so um, that tells you the draw power of Jordan Peterson. Mark, why do you think uh, he is so important and so uh, critical for us to study here on the Moonshots podcast? Well, I think the attraction for Jordan Peterson for a lot of readers, as well as um, those who go and see him live, is this idea of you know self-help, the idea of learning something from him based on his work as a, as a clinical psychologist, as well as a um, professor and more recently a, a kind of YouTube personality. But for me, digging into his rules over the last week or two, um, it, it strikes me that these rules that we'll begin digging into today are very, very accessible. They appear to me as though anybody can follow these rules. You don't have to be a right. huge celebrity or a big name in in um, music or, or business or a family man. Anybody can listen to these rules, read these rules, and I think take something away from them. Yeah, he, uh, he is... Um a great thinker, a provocative thinker. And for all of you, our listeners, I think we've got a great show ahead because it's going to cover everything from adventure, responsibility, wisdom, freedom. And I think this is um, 12 rules. We're going to do the first six uh, today. There's just so much in them. We can't possibly jam them into one show. But if you're on a mission, if you're trying to be the best version of yourself, you're trying to build a company, a team, a product, whatever you're trying to do, you know, sometimes we get a little off track and something like 12 practical and profound rules for life is just what we need to bring ourselves back into the moment to be the best version of ourselves. So I'm pumped, Mark. I think we're going to have a lot to discuss today. Where do you want to start? I want to start with Jordan Peterson telling us rule number one, which is stand up straight with your shoulders back. So chapter one is a bit of a meditation on the nature of hierarchies and the biochemistry of hierarchy, but it's also an injunction about how to present yourself because you don't, you want to present yourself to the world in a manner that, 
that doesn't disgrace you in some sense. That, that might be a good way to think about it. And you don't want to disgrace yourself because the consequence of disgrace is, is emotional dysregulation. More pain, less positive emotion. And so the best way to present yourself is to stand up forthrightly and to stretch out, you know, and to occupy some space. And to, to, to you make yourself sort of vulnerable by doing that because you open up the front of your body, right? But it's a sign of confidence. And that way people are most likely to give you the benefit of the doubt. And that's a good way to start regulating your mood. But not only does it directly regulate your mood to stand up, because it's so tightly associated, like posture flexion is associated with serotonin and emotional regulation, but also because if you straighten up and you present yourself in that manner, then other people are more likely to take you seriously. And that means they'll start treating you as if you're a number one lobster instead of a number ten lobster. And that's another way that you can at least give yourself the bloody benefit of the doubt, right? And, 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 and confront the world in a courageous manner. And that's a really good way of also of, of figuring out how to establish yourself in multiple competence hierarchies because one of the general rules of thumb about how to be successful is to confront things that frighten you forthrightly and with courage. And that's kind of a universal strategy for success. Oh, I'm, I love this. This reminds me of uh, William H. McRaven, who says, make your bed, doesn't it, Mark? Oh, yeah. Right? Admiral McRaven, that was a great episode, wasn't it? You know, it beginning was. your day with, with that assurance as well as confidence. So no matter what you run into during the rest of the day, you've got that foundation when you come home. Right. And this is exactly the same. This is basically saying, you know, stand up straight and put your shoulders back and present your best self. And I, I liked how, you know, Peterson was kind of like, give yourself the benefit of the doubt, which I said differently is like, you know, if you're going to present your, if you're going to tell a story, if you're going to ask something of someone, if you're going to present something, if you're going to have a conversation, set yourself up for success, stand up straight, don't have a defensive posture, don't be all slouched. And um, it's, Ancient, ancient wisdom, like just set yourself up uh, for success. I kind of like the fact that uh, for someone who who can, you know, elevate his thinking to to the very highest levels, can start with something so damn practical. Mark, it's great, isn't it? Well, it's funny. It reminds me. Uh, in fact, this is a rule that wasn't necessarily put towards me as a rule back when I was a when I was a, a whippersnapper. As, as you say, <laughs> I, I remember being, doing a drama class when I was about 15 and our teacher uh, told us whenever you're doing a, a talk, whenever you're making a speech, um, a monologue on stage, have both feet flat mm. and make your, your legs quite, you know, straight down towards the ground. And you can feel this energy kind of come up through the, the ground. And I think what she's saying was don't slouch, don't stand to one side, make sure to emanate that confidence. And I think you're right. It's a very practical tip that in, in my history, I, I kind of learned it through drama, but isn't it funny to now hear it being brought up again from a psychologist basically saying how you hold yourself not only impacts your, your body, your straightening up, your body's right. kind of getting ready to go out there, but also in front of others, you're putting across that eminence of courage, of confidence. Yeah. It, as a father, it reminds me when my son was younger of like instructing him that when he greets people, 
He says hello and looks them in the eye, right? It's, it it's takes me right back to that. Another more, more practical one it reminds me of, which I believe it might have been the Simon Sinek show or one of the many that we've done, where he talked about not putting your phone on the table mm. when you're in a meeting because it's a gesture to suggest that at any point if that device was to notify you, you will put your attention to them and not to the person in front of you, which again, I I really do like that. Um, I think I was um, a little bit naughty. I think I fell a victim a lot to having the phone Mm. on the table. So I tried to to put that aside uh, when I'm actually in the same room having a meeting with humans and not doing it through Zoom. <laughs> but um, that's another good one, isn't it? Yeah, that that's good, isn't it, as well? I, th- I think both of those r- remind me of just what Peterson's doing in, in his book, 12 Rules for Life. They are quite practical. And as the listeners, as well as you and I, Mike, will find out during today's show, they are quite practical recommendations and rules, aren't they? They are things that as long as we remember in our minds, mm. we can all, we can all kind of go and do the phone example on the table. All of us uh, can do that, whether we're in a meeting or whether we go out for dinner, putting it away to one side removes the anxiety of the other person thinking that at any moment you might stand up and go and take a call. Yeah. And what exactly. Peterson's calling out here, you stand up straight. People know that you are confident in yourself. Therefore, mm. hey. I can feel confident in you too. Mm, mm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, I mean, there's so much in this. And um, one production note is that uh, we, we've been getting so, so much feedback from, from all of you, our listeners over the last period that w- we actually have a question uh, for you, our listeners, which is, uh, as you can tell that we're going to break Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life, we're going to break it into two parts. So today we're going to do the first six rules and next week we will do the subsequent six. Now, here's the big thing. Jordan Peterson has written another book, Beyond Order, and uh, also extremely popular, a bit of a powerhouse as well. But Mark, we need a little bit of guidance, don't we? Well, we do. Listeners, we need you guys to tell us whether you'd like us to launch straight in. If you want us to continue the the highway of Jordan Peterson and you want us to continue driving down it once we go through Jordan Peterson's first 12 rules for life, if you'd like us to go straight into Beyond Order, 12 more rules for life, let us know. We're only going to do it once we hear from you. You are, yeah. as Mike, I think you put them, uh, our listeners earlier, our exec producers <laughs> to yeah. a certain extent. We want to hear from you guys, whether this is what you'd like us to do. Yeah. And just to, to be, uh, to build on that, it would be four back to back Jordan Peterson shows. And I think our question is, is that too heavy duty? Is it just, um, do you need a breather in between a little halftime break where Gaga kind of flies in from the roof of the stadium or something like that? Um, (laughs) Let us know um, because uh, we obviously want to make sure you get the most out of it. I'm, uh, I'm, we've, we've done four in a row of one author before, haven't we, Mark? Well, I think actually we've done four in a row for a few people. The most recent one that comes to my mind is Ron Holday. Yeah. And that was, a, yep. that was a very popular series. We've also done Tim Ferriss, a four-parter. Gladwell, um, I think, was four as well. Gladwell was four. Um, our first series on Adam Grant, I think, was three. So we, we have done a few um, 
quite a long series mm. on, on, on authors, entrepreneurs, superstars before. Um, but here, here's where listeners, we want your recommendation. Yep. Would you like us to continue that same vibe and do a four part series on Mr. Yep. Jordan Peterson? Let us know. So you can send us an email at uh, hello at moonshots.io or go to moonshots.io itself. There's about a gazillion ways you can contact us or hit the socials. But um, however you choose to contact us, it would be much appreciated. And the other thing that would be much appreciated in this day and age, according to Jordan Peterson, is actually thinking about your own well-being. And he has some really, I love this, uh, this idea, the way he presented it. So let's have a listen to Jordan, Jordan Peterson talking about taking ownership of how you really want to treat yourself. Rule number two is uh, treat yourself like you're someone that you care about. And that, that's a deeper chapter, I would say. Like chapter one is kind of comical, but it's also got this serious scientific end, for example, and it's practical, like most of the rules are. Chapter two is a bit of a meditation on why... See, I read this, I read this, this piece of work by Jung a long while back, and he, it was a meditation on um, the injunction to treat your neighbor as, as you would like to be treated, something like that. And what Jung pointed out, which I really liked, was that that wasn't an injunction to be nice to other people. It was an invitation to reciprocity. It was something like this. It's like, you should figure out how you would like to be treated, like you were taking care of yourself, not how you would like people to respond to you. It's, it's more important than that. It's like, imagine you had a child that you really cared for, and, and someone said, well, people will treat this child exactly like you want them to, but you have to figure out what that is. And so then you'd have to sit down for like a month and you'd think, okay, well, how do you want your child to be treated? You don't want everyone just to be nice to him, you know, you want people to challenge him and you want people to discipline him and you want people to tell him when he's wrong. It's like, you don't just want everyone to be nice. That's, that's pathetic. It's pathetic. There's, there's no challenge in that. And so, well, you want to treat other people like you would like to be treated. Well, then you have to figure out how would you like to be treated? And while you'd like people to fawn all over you and just lay everything at your feet, it's like, no, that's, that's not something you'd wish for for someone that you were taking care of. And then, then there's an additional problem, which is it's often the case that people will treat other people better than they treat themselves. That happens extremely frequently. So one of the things I pointed out in chapter two was that if you have a dog and you take him to a vet and the vet gives you your pres the prescription medicine, you'll go buy the medicine and you will give it to the dog and you will do it properly. But if you go yourself to a doctor and you get a prescription, there's, one that, there's a 30% chance you won't even pick up the medication. And if you do, there's a 50% chance that you won't administer it to yourself properly. And so I really thought about that. When I first came across that statistic, it really, it was another one of those little facts. I thought, what the hell's up with that? It's like, you'll do it for your dog, so obviously you'll do it for something you care about, and you're conscientious enough so you'll actually do it. So like, why wouldn't you do it for you? Your dog likes you. You know, even your dog would rather that you did, but, but you don't. You don't. And, and it's, it's actually one of the reasons that modern medicine doesn't work nearly as well as it could, because people just don't take their medication. And it's not only because they don't take care of themselves. There's some skepticism about doctors, but you could be just as skeptical about the vet. So it's a deep meditation, I would say. And it's what I've done with these rules is they're very simple rules and they're, they're kind of comical and tongue in cheek in some ways. But what I've tried to do is 
like pull them apart and show what's underneath them and to go down as deep as I possibly can. And in rule two, it's a bit of a meditation on why people don't like themselves very much. Okay, that's a nice meaty clip there, wasn't it, Mike? And oh boy, for it, me, this, <laughs> it's 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 a biggie, isn't it? It, it um, is, isn't it? Because what you what happened to me when he was talking, so you realize, oh yeah, you of course you just think, oh, yeah. just be nice, but it's way more than that. That well, that that's it for me. That was a big penny drop aha moment. You know, when he when he references Young, and really what he's trying to say, rather than just thinking, okay, well, yeah, I I can go out and be nice to people. I can treat them how I want to be treated. That's fine from a surface level. You know, I don't want people to spit on me. I don't want them to trip me up in the street. So I won't do that either. But when you layer back that onion and you look at it even deeper, first you need to understand. Well, how do I want to be treated? How do I want to take care of myself? Mm. And that's very, very um, introspective, isn't it? And I don't think it's something that a lot of us do very often. I know that we, um, and I, I've certainly got something that I do, which I'll share with you in a second, Mike, but I think it's something that's pretty challenging, isn't it? To take ownership of, of what you personally want to do from a, from a treatment perspective and how you want others to treat you. It can be a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. And because I, I think what he's really pushing into is, of course, you should be courteous and respectful and pleasant, right? But what he's really saying here is that you, if you know, if you think about a good friend of yours, it's easy to be nice and pleasant and to have fun. But the true friends are the ones that tell you, there's this great Dutch saying, a true friend will tell you when you've got spinach caught in your teeth. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and the point is getting called out when you're not at your best and either saying, Hey, you're, you're off track or B, do you need help? Uh, what can I do to support you? Helping them be accountable to their promises that's when things get really cooking, right? That's when real friendships um, come to the fore. And what he's challenging us to do is like you might um, hold your friends accountable to their goals and say, hey, come on, you can do it. What can I do to help? That you must also do the same work on yourself. Ooh. So, Mike, how do you do that work on yourself? Um, well, I know when my wife, uh, when she tells me something, mm. uh, she keeps me honest, man. Like That's seriously, yeah. she, she will call me out and uh, it might be hard, but when she calls me out, I always prioritize it. You know, That's I nice. always, always prioritize it. And more practically, you know, I have these, these mantras, uh, my own rules for life that I actually write down a lot. Um, so, you know, I am frequently visiting. So in my to-doist, I have 97 mantras. I'm just looking at it as we're chatting. 97? Um, yeah, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. So this is how I do it. So the, the one that I've been, um, uh, focus on is these, which include things like be still and quiet for there is much to hear. Start the day as if it's a brand new life, a clean slate. 
do your most important work first, listen to understand and lots of others. But those things I write down and I reflect on constantly, constantly. I even, wait for this, Mark, I even record uh, my mantras and play them back to me. So uh, I can just listen to them on the train, listen to them when I'm walking. Um, Cause I, I think I'm like, like I have to bombard myself and remind myself and reflect for myself on, on these rules. And for me, like a great way uh, to frame them is if I only had 10 truths that I could tell my son, what would they be? Right. Wow. That's powerful. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 What about you? How do you kind of, um, have that focus so that you're not just busy, you know, caring for your wife, for your work colleagues, your family and your friends. How do you, how do you kind of keep yourself Uh, on track? It's been, uh, I think it's probably been something that I've learned or, or maybe experimented with more as I get older and, you know, uh, been married again with, with partners that you, that you live with all the time who see you, uh, behind the curtain, so to speak. And you go through, you know, stresses as you get older and so mm. on. And I think for me, the thing that I've challenged myself with doing, which I was always quite guilty of not doing when I was younger mm. is actually talking about things out loud. Right. So I was very good at internalizing stuff before. Yeah thinking about journaling and so on, it was very easy to uh, almost compartmentalize your life and think, okay, well, I'm stressed about work. I won't tell anyone because it's not their problem. I'll mm. just get on with it. And mm. that in its, in its own way, I'm still guilty of sometimes. And I think that for me is, is what I'm trying to work on better nowadays, voicing it out loud. Because as we know, if you name the beast, if you confront it head on. It does feel a lot better, doesn't it? A problem shared is a problem halved is always a favorite uh, phrase that I, that I've always remembered, which I still think is, is really powerful. But for me, that, that was a pretty big aha moment as I started to learn that, that, that worked for me, that, that, that's how I, uh, tried and take responsibility for how I want to be treated because I get to reflect on how I feel. I'll talk about it out loud with somebody. Uh, I do journal as well as, as you know, our listeners have probably heard us speak about many, many times. Oh, no, they're going to go on the journal rant again. Stop, stop, stop. Not <laughs> Where's Mark on a hay when you need him? Oh, before uh, you know it, they're going to talk about cold showers again. Stop, oh, stop. No. <laughs> exactly. But all of these are really good. And actually the cold shower one um, reminded me of, I'm looking at my to-doist mantras right now. And that's another thing that I do. I, I will try and take ownership of what my situation is right now by bringing myself into this moment. I'll sniff the air. I'll notice what's around me. I'll feel how I'm sitting or as Jordan Peterson has in his first rule, stand up straight. That in its own way is a way of us connecting with what we're doing right now, isn't it? It's reminding us, right, stand up straight. You're stretching it back out. I'll try and do that if I'm in a situation where I've kind of flatlined, so to speak, mm. you know, when you're not really um, engaged too much because you're thinking about something else. Mm. I think, I think rule number one is a, is a great demonstration of being responsible for yourself because you're bringing yourself back into that moment. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think 
the the most important thing is whether you have mantras, whether you have a diary and that you journal, these are all um, ways into these 12 rules of life from Jordan Peterson. So whichever rules work for you, our listeners, I think my big advice is write it down, reflect on it. Don't just read it and go, oh, that's nice. Or listen to Mike and Mark speaking about it and go, oh, yeah, that's a good one. I should think about that. that like you have to internalize it. You have to like um, put the ingredients together, cook the recipe and truly taste these ideas. And so you can not only think them, but they can come true as your behaviors and how you choose to lead your life. And one of the biggest decisions that we actually have in our life are the books we read, the great podcasts you listen to, mm-hmm. and it's also the people you surround yourself with. So let's have a listen to rule number three from Mr. Jordan Peterson, which is all about friends. The next rule is um, make friends with people who want the best for you. And that's a meditation on my own childhood and adolescence to some degree. I, I had friends who wanted the best for me and friends who didn't. And, you know, they were friends who, some of them were aiming up and some of them were aiming down. And if you have a friend that's aiming down and you do something that's aiming up, then they're generally not that happy about it. You know, they try to top your accomplishment with one of their own hypothetical or real or put down what you're doing or offer you a cigarette if you're trying to quit and you've kind of done that successfully or a drink if you've been drinking too much and are trying to stop being an alcoholic, you know. Or, or, yeah, they're cynical and bitter and, and devoted towards no good. And sometimes that's family members too. And sometimes it's even part of you, you know. But this chapter is an injunction to people. is like, like you have an ethical responsibility to take care of yourself, you have an ethical responsibility to surround yourself with people who have the courage and, and faith and wisdom to wish you well when you've done something good and to stop you when you're doing something destructive. And if your friends aren't like that, then they're not your friends. And maintaining your friendships with them might not even be in their interest. And so it's a tricky argument to make because I'm not saying, you know, whenever anyone's in trouble, you should, you know, push them into a ditch and then give them a couple of kicks. That's, that's not the idea. The idea is that, but I had a couple of rules I didn't write about. One was be careful Uh, be careful about whom you share good news with. And another was be careful about whom you share bad news with. And everyone, those rules ring in people's minds quite quickly. A friend is someone you can share good news with, you know. You go to them and you say, hey, look, this good thing happened to me. And and they say, look, I'm so happy that that happened to you. Like, way to be. And they don't think, God damn it, why didn't that happen to me? And like, you know, you didn't deserve it. Here's a bunch of reasons you're stupid and why it won't work. It's like, that's not helpful. And so I would say, like, if people are... You know, the other thing people are doing if they're trying to drag you down, let's say, is they're trying to see if you'll put up with it. Because they have this idea that maybe life isn't worth living and things aren't good and that if they can besmirch, let's say, to use an archaic term, something that's pristine and good, then they demonstrate to themselves that there is no true ideal and that there's no necessary reason to be responsible and to strive forward. And so they use you as a test case, you know, I'll just push you down into the low lobster bin and see how you respond. And if you put up with it, then yeah, my cynicism is fully justified. And so, well, that's chapter three. So take ownership of what makes you happy, treat yourself as if you were someone else, and now take ownership of those who are around you and find the people who want the best for you. Very connected, I think. 
So good, right? So good. I mean, you know, the, the thing is that what he's saying is, and this really comes back to some of the recent shows we've done, is focus on the things that you control and your contr- things that you control are your inputs. Exactly. And as I was saying earlier, it's not just your friends, it's your colleagues, you, the clients, the business partners, family, friends, uh, teachers, coaches, mentors, you have control of them. Books, you have control of them. What shows you choose to watch on television? You know, one of the interesting things that I always decide is when I do have those rare moments that I can actually watch Netflix, do I want to have a more chilled, reflective time? So maybe I go a documentary. If I really want to chill out, I will always watch something like a um, um, David Attenborough um, sort of nature documentary, or if I'm kind of feeling really energetic, then I might take something a little bit more of a thriller or action or something like this. But those are conscious choices I make because sometimes like if I'm exhausted, like I don't like getting all pumped up in some really exciting show. I want to chill. But it's the same thing with your friends and your colleagues. Like if people don't, if you don't have a genuine connection with them, you don't have uh, genuine care and fondness of the people that you're around and likewise back to you, reciprocity as Jordan Peterson talked about if there's not it's okay if people just for whatever reason it's not going to work like you're not meant to be besties that's fine that's no judgment on either party but orientate yourself try and maximize the time with the good people and actively avoid being around people who don't have your interests at heart I think again simple but man, that's good stuff to to reflect on, to keep us on track, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, I, I like how Peterson actually calls out it's an ethical responsibility that you have. It, you have to take ownership of those who are around you. And and I like your connection to the to the Netflix consumption. Again, it's a good comparison. You control that. Only you are going to put on what you want to watch. Mm-hmm. And more um more than likely for a lot of us, as well as our listeners, you fall into a habit with friends and those around you, whether they're colleagues and so on. And they can be a little bit either self-destructive or they can be a little bit, um, you know, dare I say depressing, I suppose, you know, so, you know, uh, these sort of characters who will just stay in the same headspace and, and, if you're trying to exercise perhaps a more of a growth mindset, but you haven't got the right people around you to help you facilitate that, mm. it can be as as dangerous as not doing it yourself. You know, you can be talked out of it. And I think, again, very, very practical, very, very sensible rules that Peterson's showing to us, but very, very um, orientated around focusing on what you can control. I, I, I think that comparison there is is spot on actually. Yeah. And I would say just check your energy. Like if you feel good with people, that's a leading indicator that they might actually care about you. If you feel like a little bit odd or exhausted, or you find yourself, mm, I don't know if I really want to hang out with them, then just listen to that voice. It's just mm. your your conscious saying, hey, whoa, 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 it's a signal. Listen to the voice. 
Exactly. Now, there is another way that we can listen to voices, two amazing voices, in fact. That's right. That's you, Mark, and me, because we have a little bit of an idea that we're getting a lot of love for. What do you, what do you think we need to share with our listeners today? The, the, the voice inside our listeners' heads uh, in this certain moment is, is obviously yourself and, and I, Mike. So listeners, we've been blown away by how many of you have got in touch with us just over the past couple of weeks in response to our call out and request and almost invitation to know whether we should go out and develop a Moonshots application. And this Moonshots application would be our next layer between you, our listeners, and us sitting in our production towers, uh, slaving away, pulling together the show. We want to create something that perhaps is a little bit more um, engaging for you, our listeners. You can get in touch with us, uh, interact with our show in more than one way, as well as vote for future shows. And Mike, I mean, I've been blown away. How, how have you uh, responded to the, the amount of people getting in touch with us? Well, my inbox is getting a bit full. I can tell you that much. Um, look, it's great. Thank you to Paul and Rick and Terry, Aoife Maria, Bruce, Sheila, Pennington, all these people that are signing up for our um, beta of our Moonshots app, um, where we still need about another 50 before we can um, do this because we just want to make sure that enough of you, our listeners, our Moonshotters, that you truly think that it might be of value. Um, And, you know, to recap on what we would include in the app, you'd be able to have like a very rich listening experience so you can bookmark, comment, like, share, and and have a whole kind of inventory of your favorite shows with all, the, all of your bookmarks in one central place. The other thing which is really important is you'll be able to submit and vote for future shows. So you can kind of, as our executive producers, you can kind of guide us in the right direction. And lastly, there's going to be lots of training and coaching uh, content. And that's going to be pretty revolutionary because what we will do is invert the whole model of the show. And what I mean by that is you will be able to type a subject that you're interested in and you will be given a cross-reference of all the shows, all the uh, clips, all of the people that you can learn from around that particular subject. So we're putting a huge amount of work into creating this Moonshots data model. And it's huge. And what it would effectively mean is whether you're trying to improve yourself, your decisions, or how you lead teams, you will be able to say, you know what, I want to work on reflection. And then you will have an inventory of all the great thinking about reflection. You might say, you know, I need to make a better decision or I face a problem and I don't know how to analyze it where we'll have a whole section on critical thinking. And it's all about getting you to the fastest pathway to being the best version of yourself. Anyway, so this is the idea for the Moonshots app. And if people are interested, Mark, in the beta, where should they go? Pop along to www.moonshots.io and you will find our banner sitting at the very top of the page where you can click on and sign up for the free beta of the Moonshots app. Nice one. So now I think it's time to stretch our arms a little bit and get ready for three more left, right, left punches. This is uh, kind of a mental workout at the gym from Jordan Peterson. 
We are now into rules four, five, and six from his book, 12 Rules for Life. This is a big one. And this time we have some thinking from the man himself about to whom we should compare ourselves. You really have to stop comparing yourself in some ways to other people. And the reason for that is that the particularities of your life are so idiosyncratic that there isn't anyone really all that much like you, you know, because the details of your life happen to matter. And so maybe you compare yourself to some rock star or something like that. And, you know, the person's rich and famous and glamorous and all that, but, you know, they're alcoholic and they use too much cocaine and they've had three divorces. And it's like, how the hell do you make sense out of that? Is that someone that you should judge yourself harshly against or not? The answer is you don't know because you don't know all the details of their lives. And who do you know that you can compare yourself to? That's easy. You. Yesterday. So here's a good goal. It's something like, well, aim high. And I, I really mean that. It's like, and we'll talk about that a little bit too. Aim high, but use as your control yourself. It's like, so your goal is to make today some tiny increment better than yesterday. And you can use better, you can define better yourself. This doesn't have to be some imposition of external morality. You know, you know where you're weak and insufficient, where you could improve. You think, okay, well, this is what I'm like yesterday. If I did this little thing, things would be just uh, an increment better. And, well, th that's a great thing because you get the ball rolling and incremental improvement is unstoppable. You can actually implement it, and it starts to generate Pareto distribution-like consequences. It starts to compound. And I've seen that happen in people's lives over and over. And people write me all the time and tell me that they're doing that. But I've seen that happen to, in people's lives continually. They make a goal, a goal that... The goal should be, how could I conceive of my life so that if I had that life, it would clearly be worth living, so I wouldn't have to be bitter, resentful, deceitful, arrogant, and vengeful. Oh, geez, those oh. were some pretty. <laughs> he was about to go dark then, wasn't he? He, 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 was, he was getting into it there. Um, but I think that's, that's a good point to, to, to pause and reflect because I think that's really what this clip and this rule number four is all about. It's reflection, isn't it, Mike? It's mm. reflecting on who you are. Who am I? Who's Mark? And where was I perhaps yesterday? Or exactly. after a significant event, maybe today, whenever it is. And instead of constantly thinking, oh, well, I'm not as influential as, as Peterson. Instead, that remember that it's not a worthwhile comparison. For me, again, this is a bit of a penny drop moment because it's very, very easy to compare yourself, your successes, your career, your interests and hobbies even to somebody else. But the truth is it's not a fair comparison because of how different your upbringing has been your your environment your ecosystem and so on and i don't know for me this is quite a big moment actually as we go through these rules from peterson because like you were just saying that 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 compound interest is significant as we look at our ways of being better each day that's really what peterson's calling out here stop trying to shoot towards the elon musks perhaps and instead think, okay, well, what can I learn from them? And how can I make myself better? Just small little pieces each day in order to try and make myself get that a little bit better. Yeah. Two thoughts that come to mind here. Number one, it's such wasted energy comparing yourself to others because number one, if you are looking at others going, oh, geez, they're, they're doing so much better than me. Well, here's the thing. There is no positive energy 
to be gained from that thought. That is your ego speaking. Eckhart Tolle would be going bonkers right now (laughs) if he heard you doing that kind of stuff, right? So first of all, there's nothing to gain from that envy, that jealousy, that ego. Like there's nothing, nothing to gain. Um, That's the first thing. Second thing, I can't remember which show it was on, but one of the clips we've played in the last month or two, Mark, someone said, well, you know, the, the working class guy, is looking at the rich guy envying his money and the rich guy is looking at the the working class guy envying the simplicity of his life. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and the reality is a lot of us are all looking at each other envying each other's situation. So it tells you it's like this big circular kind of cluster. Um the reality is that the best thing you can do is make commitments to yourself and work hard to reach them every single day. And if you can just be 1% better every day, this is huge because if you do it every single day, day after day, you will turn back maybe in a week, in a month, maybe it's a whole year. And then you go all of a sudden, wow, look at that. I mean, we started this show, Mark, and we would get a couple of hundred listeners each month. And two years later, we get 25,000 listeners a month and it just is growing like crazy. But each show, we just turn up, do it a little bit better. And we can do that in our lives. And the, here's the thing, because everyone makes mistake. There is no, I, there's no such thing as perfect. What there is, is working hard, learning and doing it a little bit better than next time. Because that learning is so satisfying because even if you're not at your end goal, if you can love the process, if you can get addicted to the compounding, the, the meaning in your day comes from knowing that, hey, I did it better yesterday. Hey, and today I did it a little bit better again. And if you can just bring yourself into the moment and say, am I doing it better now? Then you can not be held hostage by the, all those comparisons that Jordan Peterson talks about. I mean, this, this I, I think a lot of people in the age of Instagram and social media struggle with a lot. I think everybody thinks everyone else is having a great life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. It, it's very easy to look at uh, whether it's podcasts, social media. Uh, everybody's got a TV show nowadays. It's it's an unfair ecosystem to try and compare yourself to others, isn't it? And and what you've just said, it's wasted energy. Instead of looking at somebody else, thinking, "Oh, I wish I had what they had," channel that into something more productive. Yeah, and, well, and take, do compound take interest. this example, Mark. Um, have you seen like all the people, all the Instagram models getting in trouble for photoshopping the last few months? Yeah, yeah. So why would you compare yourself if you're a woman looking at those women? Why would you even compare yourself? Because it's all photoshopped anyway. It's photoshopped and fake anyway. <laughs> it's an illusion. Yeah, it's it's that wasted energy. And uh, and Gary V. Um, that might be. Mike, the episode that perhaps you were referencing, because I know the the Gary Vee show that we did was very orientated around this idea of not comparing yourself to others and the 
uh, the imbalance between, you know, a rich person wanting the simplicity or, you know, yeah. somebody else wanting yeah. the, the, the rich lifestyle. And, you know, again, that show with Gary Vee, he was calling this out, wasn't it? It's fake anyway. Stop being distracted yeah. by where somebody else is because it's not the right thing to judge yourself on. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. I, th- I think that the, um, you know, your own success comes from setting your own goals and meeting them because, you know, you set something, uh, a goal that you control and you're not worried about externalities. I mean, that was a huge part of what Ryan Holiday said in the Stoicism series, like stop worrying about things you don't control. Mm. Bring yourself into the present. Focus on the things that you control. And that's where all the, all the what I would argue, at least satisfaction and fulfillment comes from. Maybe you might even find some real meaning there as well. Um, but I think this is great advice. And I think the the great thing about Jordan Peterson's work is that I mean, he's, he's got advice, not only for ourselves, but Mark, he'll even give us uh, parenting tips, won't he? Yeah. This is another great example of, of the, the variety of rules that Peterson has in the 12 rules for life. So rule number five, Mike, is Peterson giving us, like you say, just that little bit of advice around raising our children. You don't want to set them up as an enemy against you. You don't want to allow them to engage in the kind of hierarchical challenge that makes you irritable and resentful. That's not a good idea. And if the things they do make you dislike them, the probability that they will make other people dislike them is extraordinarily high. And so you can consult your own irritability. And you can say, look, kid, I used to tell my kids this, you know, when they were three or four, I'd say, look, I'm not in a very good mood. And I'm likely to be unreasonable, so it'd be best if you'd go in your room and play for a while. It's like, I like you, man. You're a great kid, but like, get the hell out of here for a while. You know? And they were fine with that. We'd trained them already at that point to be able to go play by themselves in the room, you know, which is something a kid should be able to do anyways. But, but you need to know what sort of monster you are if you're going to be a good parent. And if you think, oh, I'm not a monster, it's like, oh, yes, you are. You're just an unbelievably unconscious monster, and that's actually the worst kind. So, and then the other thing about that chapter is there's an idea in it, and, and it's an idea that I think is well supported by the relevant literature, which is that your fundamental job as a parent, especially of a child from zero to four, is to make that child eminently desirable socially. So what you're, you're a successful parent if, when your child is four, all sorts of other children want to play with him or her. That's really the, that's like if you want one marker of whether or not you've been successful. It's it's a pretty practical tip there, Mike, isn't it? Oh, it, it is. And make sure know, they <laughs> the, make the, sure they're the, nice people. The funny thing is, though, if you take a moment to think that one through, it's it's really fascinating because whilst he uses the metaphor of children, just apply the same uh, thinking to the workplace. And what you could say is your job as a manager is to make sure that your team members are able to collaborate and work together and that people want to come together with a given individual, that they have the skills to communicate and collaborate. Essentially, just essential skills, they sound incredibly simple, but actually how much work do we need to put into those skills? And I think a manager of a team needs to make sure that his team members have the capacity to interact with each other in a productive, respectful, 
manner. I I, th- I see a direct correlation. Yeah, I, I think you're right, actually. This is a nice um, comparison, perhaps, with Patrick Lencioni, you know, how, as well as Jim Collins, from a leadership perspective. You want to try and uh, raise or at least lead a team who like one another. And mm. in, an, in an age when a lot of us are working remotely and so on, it, it can become a lot more difficult, though, can't it? Mm. And I think as a leader... Um, who's, who's faced with those sort of challenges. I can imagine it's very, very, very tricky to actually go and, and create that unity between the family slash team members. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And I think it's, you know, lead through your actions, right? Um, that's the starting point there. It's like how you behave with your, um, your family, your partner, your children, how you, you know, flip it into the workplace, how you interact with your peers and colleagues and your teammates. That's the, that's the starting point. If you're acting like an idiot, like, well, what do you expect the rest of them, yeah. <laughs> the rest of the team to do? They're just going to act like idiots because you're setting the tone. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's just so much, uh, so much in, in, uh, in his, his work, isn't there? I mean, it's, for me, it's just, Sometimes these feel like ancient truths rewritten for the modern day. Mm. Um, but I do think that um, it's so powerful to whether you read a book like this once or whether you re- read it once a year, I think they can just help you um, get back on track. Um, and I think the truth is we all get a little bit off track. And sometimes when we're off track, Mark, let's say someone's struggling, what are some of the bad habits that they get into if they're not really doing well and they can feel it? What sort of behaviors do you observe in teams and at work, Mark, if, if someone's a bit off track? I, I think I think what happens is there's a lot of finger pointing, isn't there? Yeah. A lot of judgment, a lot of a lot criticism. Of criticism, yeah. judgment. Avoidance. Exactly. Uh, maybe even aggression, whether yeah. it's, whether it's uh, forthright or, or passive. Yeah. I think, I think that's a pretty common trait, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a bad vibe, but it's also not particularly productive. I mean, sure. If someone isn't living up to not only the team's expectations, but the, the commitments that that individual's made, sure. You need to, to call them out, but sh- publicly shaming them, I don't think is, it has ever produced a positive result, has it? No, I don't think so. And, and this final clip that we're going to hear today in show 128, which is rule six of Peterson's 12 rules for life, is, is bringing that to, like, uh, to light actually. Uh, so listeners, rule number six from Jordan Peterson, he's going to tell us a little bit about how we should uh, reflect on ourselves before we criticize others. So it's a rough chapter, um, but it's more than that. It's a meditation on resentment because resentment is a key human motivation. And I would say it's, un- it's a great teacher to to listen to your resentment is one of the best things you can possibly do. You have to admit that it exists first, and then you have to admit to the fantasies that it's generating, and you have to admit to what you would regard as the way out of it. So that's all very difficult, because it means learning things about yourself that you probably don't want to learn. But resentment only means one of two things. It means either, like, shut the hell up, grow up, quit whining, and get on with it. That's one thing it means. Or someone is playing the tyrant to you 
might even be you, and you have something to say and do that you should say and do to put it to a stop. And so maybe, and resentment can show you the pathway to doing that. Um, there's a meditation on resentment, and one of, the, one of the principles that I extracted from that is, like a resentful person wants other people to change. And if you're resentful, then your motivations aren't trustworthy. In fact, they're very, very dark. And that's why I went to the extreme with people like Panzram and the Columbine killers. Um, resentful people who want to change the world are not to be trusted. What should you do instead? How do you treat your own resentment? I would say, well, there's a, there's a great... I read this great line in a T.S. Eliot play called The Cocktail Party. And in it, this woman comes up to a psychiatrist. I think this is in this chapter. And she says, <clears throat> you know, I'm having a really rough time of it. I'm suffering badly. My life is not going well. And, and then she says, uh, I hope that there's something wrong with me. And the psychiatrist says, well, what the hell do you mean by that? And she says, well, here's how I look at it. There's either something wrong with the world, and I'm just in it, and that's how it is. And then, like, what am I going to do about that? Because it's the whole world. Or maybe I could be fortunate, and there's something wrong with me that's causing all this unnecessary suffering. And if I, I could just set it right. I could learn, and I could set it right. And so... Well, I've been thinking about that for a very long time, and I think, well, if your life isn't going the way it is, you know, you can find someone else to blame, which is pretty convenient for you, and also relatively easy, or you could think, okay, I don't like life. I don't like the way my life is unfolding. Um, maybe I don't like life in general because it's tragic and, and tainted with evil. How do I know if my judgment is accurate? And the question is, well, have I really done everything I possibly could to set my life straight? Because maybe I shouldn't be judging it, its quality or the quality of life itself or being itself, for that matter, if I haven't done everything I possibly could to set my life straight. What a heavy duty clip, Mark. I mean, he came out and oh, for number six, oh, that one is a bit of a... Right? That's such a... Um, Again, the theme of these first six rules to me are, are reflection, aren't they? Um, they're very much orientated around, okay, well, take ownership of yourself rather than allowing either outside uh, stimulus to affect you and simultaneously don't you, uh, you know, interact poorly for, for others. And, mm. and that one there, this idea of getting everything right in your life first before you criticize others really comes down to, again, this concept of ownership, doesn't it? And asking yourself, have you done everything you can today yes. to yeah. be that best version of yourself? I like how you were saying, look, if, if you do catch yourself blaming, um, then uh, use it as an opportunity to be like a flag for yourself mm -hmm. because it's such a negative energy. Um, I, I really like that. And, you know, for me, I think we all have moments where we feel like we're the victim, right? That's and we right. want to blame every single thing that we possibly can, people, circumstances, whatever. But the truth really is that if you find yourself saying, poor me, um, that means that actually the one the person that's accountable for this situation is not the guy down the road. It's you. Mm. 
you got yourself here. And it's probably you could go back to the other five and find something in there. Are you taking responsibility? Are, are you standing tall? Are you, you know, are you really doing the right thing, right? Um, so I, I think this is really, really good because I think it is it is such a natural emotion to go, what? This isn't fair, right? Mm. Um, like, I didn't deserve this, or we, the team, the company, we didn't deserve that. That's not fair. Well, that just is what it is. And don't indulge this because I think it's so counterproductive, isn't it? Um, what you have to do is go, okay, in every hardship, there's a lesson, right? You got to go yucko willink, problem, good, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you got to do to get yourself right to live uh, the very best uh, life you can. I think I, uh, I, what I took from Eckhart Tolle is when you do find the ego talking, right? Um, the first thing you can do is identify that it's your ego talking and actually it's not really you. And you can, you can have a choice in how, how your mindset is set in the world. Don't you, you don't have to fall victim to the ego. No. And I, and I think building on, on the Eckhart Tolle episode, we did, uh, just a, a few weeks ago, followed by Adam Grant's latest book. Don't let that ego take control because ultimately you have control over what you believe and how you react to things. So when you do find yourself responding, perhaps in a, in a self-sabotage way or something that's overly critical to others, mm. instead, just be aware of it, notice it in yourself and think, okay, well, hang on. Is this how I would treat myself? You know, mm. do I know how much I should be, um, criticizing others if I haven't really done that, that homework myself. And, and again, you know, Jordan references a number of times in the clips today, the fact that this book is a little bit of a meditation for him. You know, he said yeah. this in a few different clips. And I think what he means by that is it's, it's bringing him back down to his core foundation. It's mm. reminding him, where do I stand? How should I react? And what really matters to me? And I think that comparison to, to the power of now is a really strong one because that's also a huge meditation in how do I react to things right now? How am I going to focus myself? Yeah, totally, totally. So there we are, Mark. I mean, we've had, we've had six big rules from Jordan Peterson. Did, do you feel like... Um, What's your gut feeling? Do you think all of our listeners can go for Jordan Peterson's back to back? What's your gut feeling, tell you? I think we, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to next week. So this week, the first six, are, I believe, are quite um, reflective on ourselves and internal. And the next six, so rules seven to 12, are, are kind of a little bit more, dare I say, practical. But I want to get into them with you, Mike, to, to determine whether that's a correct uh, analysis or not. Mm -hmm. And then I'm, I'm, I'm really don't know beyond order could be a natural extension mm -hmm. and we could make a four parter. But again, I mean, listeners, you've got to, you've got to help us. You've got to guide us with what you'd like to hear. I think so. And where would you uh, send everyone? Where is the destination that they can give us their feedback, their thoughts and ideas? They can pop along to www.moonshots.io and leave us in the top of the bar, a little bit of feedback. We've got a nice four 
uh, forum that everybody can get in touch with, or alternative listeners, you can get in touch with us at via email, hello at moonshots.io. What we a can't place wait to, to hear. go. <laughs> what a place to go right there. So Mark, uh, of all of the ideas, which one is sticking with you? Which one is still there t- talking to you, whispering to you? There's there's a few practical ones like Stand Up Straight that I'm always going to remember. But for me, the big penny drop aha moment today was comparing yourself with who you were yesterday. Yep. It's so liberating, that thought, isn't it? It's, it liberating is a great word for that, actually. It yep. is liberating because then you give yourself permission. It's, yeah. You feel, totally. feel more free. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very much in line with that idea of like, if you went out, you played the game and you, you gave it your very best, right? Then you can just accept the result because you gave it your all and, you know, you'll wake up tomorrow and play in the next game and give that your best too, right? Perfect. Mm. Give it your best. Well, Mark, we have come finally after 128 episodes, we have actually done a Jordan B. Peterson show. Thank you, Mark. It was fantastic. Um, And I really am grateful for you helping me getting some good rules for life. So there you have it, everybody. Thank you to you, our listeners, our moonshotters, all of you who are looking for rules to unlock the very best version of themselves. And today we started with six of the best from Jordan Peterson. And it was a wild adventure into discipline and freedom and adventure, responsibility, working out how to get it done. And that journey started with very much self-awareness. He told us to stand up straight with your shoulders back and to treat yourself like someone you're responsible for helping. A bit of self-care, don't we need that? And don't forget, you should surround yourself with people that actually care for you, who want the best for you. And that helps us to make good choices in life. And the first choice he asked us to do is to compare yourself with who you were yesterday and not with somebody else. And if you do that, you'll be able to raise great teams, maybe even raise a great family with people who like each other, who are liked by others and can offer their best version of themselves to the world. And if you've done that, you can have the power, you can have the purpose, the strength to not be a victim. But as Jordan Peterson asked us, he can go out into the world and do everything to set your life straight. Don't blame others. Take the ownership for your life. So there you have it, Moonshotters. We've got the first six rules for life from Jordan B. Peterson. I hope you've got that energy, that willingness to go out and be the very best version of yourself. That's it for the Moonshot Podcast. That's a wrap.